0: now podcast where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life now here's your host evangelist TJ Malcanji. this is gonna help a lot of people today let me tell you because the testimony my pastor is gonna share is, is an uncommon one, one that you don't hear much these days, because I I think we live in a generation where people believe that Christianity is like, a, you know, an, a, 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 an excuse to just, you know, sit down, relax, just whatever happens, happens, you know, some, you know, we're not going to have victory in this life. Well, I'm going to tell you, My pastor has a testimony he's going to share today that's going to show you that not only are we to expect victory in life, but God is more than happy to stand behind those that stand for Him. And when God stands with you, there's nothing that can come against you and prevail. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, the Bible says, and every tongue rising up against you, you'll be able to condemn. So... My pastor has a church in, uh, and he's going to give you a little bit of a background. He has a church in Montreal, Quebec, in St. Leonard, the district of St. Leonard. Uh, He's been the pastor of that church, I think, since 2010 or 11. I'm not sure he'll have to clarify that. Uh, I was saved under his ministry. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost under his ministry. And he's been, you know, just a man that I owe a lot to. And God has used him mightily as an instrument to shape and form my life. So, without further ado, I'm going to bring him onto the broadcast. He'll be able to uh, uh, explain a little more about what he's doing now.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks, TJ, for having me on. <laughs>
0: audio is off there you go sorry my audio was off we have pastor chad on here yeah. from edmonton we have marcy from our own church melissa Milialo. anyways people are excited and eager to hear what you have to share today so um i, I want you just to say a bit about what you're doing at good news chapel the bible college is starting just tell us about what the lord's doing uh through you
1: uh you know what uh i don't even know where to begin uh, well as you know obviously all of us have been affected by what's been going on uh, in the world around us you know with this uh, this whole covid thing and uh, you know it, it was a, a real shocker for a lot of people it uh, it kind of like knocked us off our moorings because i don't think people saw it coming and uh, you know at the beginning of this whole uh what i call i call it a fiasco because you know at the beginning was uh we, we were just going to shut down for two weeks, you know, flatten the curve and all that stuff. And yet we're six months later and we're still trying to flatten this curve. But, But, uh, you know, I'm not one, I'm not complaining at all because you know what? Throughout this time, God has shown himself faithful and uh, we didn't allow it, uh, which I think ties into what we're going to be talking about today with the title of this, uh, how to prevail in in every battle of life. I mean, the thing is what we determined in our hearts not to slow down. And uh, we used the time, I think we used it wisely. Uh, to 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 ask the Lord to give us direction as to how we are going to how we were going to move forward and uh, what He had in store for us next. So I mean, uh, I think most people know now. We've been holding services almost back to normal. Obviously, we've been respecting some of the uh, you know the social distancing and all that stuff in the church. So we had to kind of tweak things. We it's 12 weeks now that we have our services going, sure. uh, which are are wonderful services i think uh, you know if anyone ever took meeting together for granted they, they're not going to take meeting together for granted any longer we've had good services we've had great times uh, together and fellowship you know although you know things are a little bit different but you know what uh, we're going to get through that that's right And so uh we yeah we never allowed things to slow us down so like uh, tj you like mentioned just a few moments ago like you know, during the uh, the lockdown, that's when uh, we started to make plans uh, or like we felt we followed through with the plans for uh, opening the Bible school, Amen. Uh, which now it's in its fourth week, uh, fourth week of infancy. So we have uh, eight students that signed up. I'm teaching, which I love doing. It's something that uh, I thought that I was going to do early when I when I was in Bible college. I thought I was going to be a teacher that <laughs> uh, so God obviously has different man will make his plans, but God will direct the steps and so. Uh, you know, God, uh, God is, is great, and so uh, so we're able to celebrate that. Obviously, we've been having our services. We baptized over 30 people just a few weeks back. We're getting ready to baptize another 15 Praise the Lord. Uh, this Sunday coming, uh, which is great. Uh, you know, people are getting saved, uh, people are being ministered to. So, uh, and, and you know, we're still going ahead. You know, like when people are talking about the new normal and we're not going to be able to meet like we used to and all that stuff. We're still moving ahead, building the sanctuary for our, our church. As a matter of fact, as we're speaking, there are people there. One of them is your dad, TJ, happens to be in there right now with a hammer in his hand. Hmm. And uh, they are uh, studs and drywall and all kinds of stuff. And so we're preparing. We're, we're really believing that the Lord uh, is going to, to, to move in power in these next uh, few months. And I don't know how much time we have left on this earth, but we're going to make the best of the time that we have, and we're going we're gonna to give it our all. And so that's I think that's been pretty much our resolve throughout this whole thing. Is that we're not we're not going to slow down. We're not going to let anything slow us down. Not the things of the enemy. Not uh, you know not these things that are coming up with COVID, which by the way is evil. You know, sickness and disease is evil, right. uh, in any way, shape, or form. And so we're not going to let that dictate how the Church of Jesus Christ uh, is to move forward. So that's uh, that's pretty much where we're at.
0: Yeah, and you know and what, so, I love the fact that you said that in the midst of all this. You know, where it's normal for organizations and, you know, a lot of churches to just, you know, let's just coast this out. Let's just wait this thing out. Let's just, you know, hope it goes away sooner than later and then we'll get back to plans. And and a lot of you watching right now, you might have had that thought, you know, I'm just going to coast it out. I'm just going to wait it out. Just going to see how long it lasts and then, you know, we'll wish it away. But ultimately, you know, if the devil doesn't get challenged, he'll stay. And so in the midst of this, I respect you so much because you you started a Bible college when the world... I mean, there's. I'm sure there's Bible colleges and other schools around the world, even non-Bible colleges, that are closing down in a time like this, you know, where their financial support is like capsizing. But, you know, God has blessed the church. God has blessed you. God has blessed... Uh, the work of God. And as such, it's like Nehemiah. You know, he. it's not like when God calls you to build something, there won't be any challenge. It's that in the midst of the challenge, you can have a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other while you're fighting off and building. You don't have to choose one or the other. You can fight and build right. and not have anything hinder. So I want you to, if you can, just tell us the the history of the church, the testimony of the church of coming into this building uh, where we started from, how we got to this place, and especially the challenges
1: that uh, arose when we took a step to
0: enter into this new building.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, just to answer your question at the very beginning when you said uh, clarify how long I've been with this church, <clears throat> I'm, I would say, I'm going to say it like this and understand how I'm going to say it. it. was almost accidental. I've been with this church since 2004. And, uh, you know, so I, I, uh, I've been around for, you know, 16 years. Uh, to answer the question about senior pastor, that'll be next year. I'll be celebrating my 10th year along with my wife that we've been ministering at this church as senior pastors. And, you know, I look back 10 years, man. It went by so quick. Mm. And and sometimes I feel like we've, we've, we've accomplished a lot, but I feel sometimes that we haven't accomplished enough in that 10-year span. But at the same time, I'm very grateful because God's been good to us. Uh, you know, His grace is it's huge. Uh, His mercy is even bigger <laughs> But uh, so, just to give you a little bit of feedback, uh, a little bit of background, this church, first of all, uh, is going to celebrate next year its 100th anniversary. Uh, so we we're known right now as Good News Chapel. We weren't always Good News Chapel. This church started off as an Italian uh, Pentecostal church back in the uh, in the uh, in the early. In the early part of the 1900s, we had Italian immigrants that came, and, uh, and you know, they they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit out of old Methodist missions and stuff. And but and they were they were soon kicked out of those churches because uh, what they were experiencing was uh, was really freaking out <laughs> yeah. mainline denominations and stuff. So they they started meeting in homes, and you know, just this you know, I'm not going to go through all the details, but it started off as home groups, and then eventually, uh, this, this group of people that were baptized in the Holy Ghost ended up. Coming together, purchased the building, and uh, and they and, and we were at that same location ever since up till uh, 2000 and uh, what is it now? 2009 when we finally when we finally moved over to uh, uh, to where we're at uh, not 2009 I'm sorry 2013 we finally moved over here to the the building where we find ourselves right now. So uh, it's a very rich history. Uh, I think that plays into how things unfolded over the course of time, because, like, you know, uh, my wife and I ended up, uh, you know, pastoring at at a church that has a a long history, a long storied history. And uh, that was part of the challenge uh, that we'll talk about in just a few moments. But, you know, the church pretty much existed at its past location for almost 90 years. And uh, now... Uh, as my wife and I came on board as the senior pastors, uh, it was, a, it was, it was a, a page that was already in the midst of turning. So just to give you the, the, the rundown, the, the church always wanted to uh, expand its, its, its facility. And then uh, they had purchased a building at the old location, and uh, they, their dream was to move into the building that was across the street and to expand it. But the problem was, uh, you know, especially living in, a, in, in Montreal where uh, parking is, uh, is is not available if you're in the inner city. So, yeah. you know, having uh, having this brand new facility that can accommodate a thousand or more people, and then you know, having thirty parking spots just wasn't wasn't working. And and the city in the city as it is usually in, in, in these in these types of urban locations, they they're very particular about their codes and so on. So what ended up happening is they kind of put plans on hold, and they were lo- actively looking for another location. Um, and, you know, I was there. I started off in 2004, so I started off under another pastor uh, who, who, who met a Pastor Mortaledi, who, uh, who pastored before me. And, you know, they looked into all different kinds of properties and so on. And then they found this one where we're currently at in St. Leonard, and uh, they purchased it. And then uh, not long after that, uh, there was a change in, in, uh, in the leadership of the church. I had left. The other pastor had resigned as well. And then, you know, by the Lord's grace, uh, and, and Providence, he allowed us to come back, and, and we ended up becoming the senior pastors here. So just to, just to give you a little, I didn't purchase this building myself. This was, this, this was already purchased while I was on staff uh, under the previous pastor. But the problem was, when we bought this building, there was no permit. There was no permit to have uh, the church, uh, to have a church. As a matter of fact, uh, we bought it in good faith, you know, thinking that you know, it was okay. Uh, in some cases, we were also misled on some of the information. Uh, as to what we could possibly do here. And then after we had purchased the building, after we had sold uh, part of the properties that we had previously and all that, we found ourselves here with a building that wasn't allowed to be here as a church. Mm. So uh, when I came on board as a senior pastor, uh, it's like I inherited a situation. It was that That's pretty much what it is. I wish I could say it was my faith that bought the building and all that stuff. But it wasn't. We end, I ended up inheriting uh, inheriting what we have. But the thing is, I also inherited I inherited a, a challenge. Not, not yeah. just to put it mild. So like I was thinking about it before when uh, you had mentioned everything to me about like this this uh, this interview. I said like, what was it like? I I kind of liken it to Moses, you know, going through the wilderness, and uh, you know, God brings him up the mountain and lets him see the promised land. Yeah. And uh, then says, okay, well, that's all you're gonna see. And then uh, Joshua gets thrust into the mix. And then all of a sudden I feel like the Joshua where like I'm taking over from someone else. And uh, and now the challenge is great ahead of you. Like Moses did an amazing job. You know, he got them out of Egypt. He, you know, he wandered with them in the wilderness for 40 years. He saw like the goodness of God, the power of God. He saw the provision, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, Uh, You know, Joshua, I wasn't a young man at the time. I would would guess that at about the time it was in the 60s or 70s, you know. He's the next next one to take over. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, God just drops him off and says, you're the one taking over. And like, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And all of a sudden there's like battles ahead of them. And the first one is Jericho, which, uh, you know, it's a a baptism by fire. There was a challenge ahead of him that uh, there was a very heavily fortified city that was waiting for him. And you know what, Joshua had to... uh, you know, I had to produce, I had to do something, and so that's how I I felt. Uh, and so that was a there was a great challenges ahead of us. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, there were a lot of sleepless nights, that's for sure. Um, but I the thing that comforted me and my wife the most is that uh, God didn't call us to fail. That's right. And so that was the thing that was uh, always playing in the back of our minds because uh, you know it's like it would be quite easy to, to enter into a new role of life. And then like, you know, God, why did you call me here? Why did you bring me here? Did you bring me here so that you can watch me rise and pain and suffer and so on? But that's not what God does. That's right. And that's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think that God, uh, you know, God is responsible for the situations, but that's not how it works. If God called you, He called you to succeed. He didn't call you to fail. So it's, it's some, some parts are in your hands. So, um, you know, what we did at that point, I mean, we, we, we've prayed. I mean, when I started off as, as a senior pastor uh, at this church, I mean, one of the first things that we implemented was um, was to be very generous. Uh, so like, you know, the proceeds of the sales of our buildings and all our properties and stuff like that, we, we tithed on, you know, you you know, we tithed on, on, on the sale of properties. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, which isn't like in the minds of most people. People don't say we're a church. Why would we tithe for? well, I mean, it's a biblical principle. Why wouldn't the church tithe and help other churches or help other ministries and so on? But I think the most important thing that we instituted almost immediately was fasting and prayer, which was something that was like, it's it's foreign. You know, fasting and prayer in in Canada, at least to my knowledge, you you can correct me if you want. And I'm not talking about like the one day, you know, like the, you know, the six hour fast, where people say we're fasting today and they fast one day out of a year. And Sometimes like we started fasting and prayer. We, we, we started having prayer meetings in this building that were, and it didn't look anything like this. It was a, it was a commercial building. Uh, it was actually dangerous to be in. And I remember at the onset, I, mean, I didn't know. Uh, I said, we're going to go have a prayer meeting. We're going to go pray in that building. And we were holding prayer meetings in this building, unbeknownst to me, by the way. I didn't do it on purpose, but we, we weren't lawfully uh, allowed to do that. And then I found out later, and then we, we made some adjustments. But, you know, we had people come here, and we walked around the building. We walked through the building. We prayed. We prayed in the Spirit. We fasted uh, because the thing is, like, it was a new day, and uh, we really needed to move forward with God's blessing, and we really needed God's hand because, um, you know, the city was completely opposed uh, to there being a church in this area. And so, you know, that's that started off the journey. I mean, you know, the Lord – uh, you know, he 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 surrounded me with good, godly people. You know, the board members at the time, the leadership of the church were like God-fearing people. They weren't afraid. Uh, they, you know, they weren't afraid. Uh, we looked to each other. We depended on one another, and uh, and we sought the Lord. And uh, you know, that you know, like again, going in line with with the uh, the title of, of of this broadcast, how to prevail in every battle of life. Uh, you want to step number one is seek the Lord. That's right. Because uh, if you're not seeking the Lord, you're seeking something else. And if you're seeking something else, well, then you're not in line with whatever God wants to do. And I knew, you know, regardless of the situation, how dire it was, how, how serious it was, uh, you know, being under constant pressure. Because, you know, like I said at the very beginning, we, we sold a church um, that that's been in its location for 90 years. You know, talk about... You know, uh, a sacred cow. I mean, uh, that was a pretty big move on our part to sell and finally sell the building and move over here and all that stuff. And we we didn't have the full permit. We were able to meet based on a on a loophole that said that we were allowed to teach uh, religious uh, religious things. And so, you know, preaching is teaching. You know, preaching in 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 it in some form is teaching. And so we we just happen to be teaching spiritual principles through the Word of God. And, You know, it gets a little bit more fiery, but uh, that's what it was. And so uh, that was uh, that was pretty much how we progressed. I mean, we we sought the Lord and, you know, he delivered.
0: Tell tell the people about the mayor that was in power at the time that we did the transition and who he still is. he, He still is. Okay, but remember when we did in January, I remember this, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting and then a prophetic word came out. Tell tell the people about that story because, you know, in Acts chapter 5, I believe it is, Peter and John get arrested for laying hands on a sick folk and, you know, the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, raising him up. They gathered a crowd, and obviously the religious world, you know, they can't, and I know you faced the same thing. The moment you took a step forward for God, it wasn't the world that really cared much about what you were doing. It was like religious people around you, churches around the area that stood up and said, oh, yeah. what, what kind of moron buys a building without a, uh, a license? What kind yeah. of guy, buy, you know, wants to move into a building without a license, you know? And and they come up oh, with yeah, all I... kinds of stuff and to try and discourage you, just like David when he went out to kill Goliath, it was his own brothers that stood up. Stood up and said, get back home. they're trying to put you back. so you have to really like beware and guard your heart above all things because attack will come from within. and I know you faced it. I know our church faced it they call this uh, you know all kinds of names and stuff but uh, when Peter and John come before the Sanhedrin, they they're like speaking of stoning them and then Gamaliel gets up and says, leave these men alone. Because if these people are of God, if this plan is of God, it can't be overthrown. If it's of men, it'll scatter just like they said Judas, and then there was Thutius. They had started a revolt against the government, and then they ended up you know, being scattered. He grew up to, I don't know, 300 men that followed him, and then they got scattered, and they, they're no longer remembered. But Gamaliel says, but if this is of God, you can overthrow it. And I love what you said. Right. You said, if God called us, he did not call us to failure. And that's why it hasn't been overthrown. But I want you to tell the people about when the, the, the city council told you you'll, you will never
1: have a permit in your hand. Yeah. Well, just I'll go back a little bit. There was that exactly what you said. There was a lot of pushback from within. I'm not just talking about people within our congregation because obviously there were, you know, and I, I, I kind of understand them to a certain degree. There are people that, you know, their entire history and childhood you know, was there, was at that place. That's where uh, people got married. That's where people grew up at our old location and stuff like that. So, you know, among the older generation, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's hard sometimes for change. And the thing is, you know, in my younger years, maybe I, I, I in, internally I took it very bad. Uh, but, you know, with time I started to understand, okay, they had a connection to the place. But then also I, I think so you had the internal uh, pushback. Then sometimes you had uh, – what I would call the outside pushback, but from people within the, within the, the body of Christ in general. I mean, people called my, uh, my integrity into question and they called my wisdom into question and stuff like that. And you know what, sometimes it almost works because the thing is they were saying like how, you know, you're a Christian, you're a believer. Um, how can you go against the government? How can you go against the city? How can you, how dare you, um, you know, follow through? Because like there were some people in our ears that were telling, like we had all kinds. We had some people telling us, why don't you grease the palms? <laughs> and believe it or not, why don't you grease the palms of the politicians so that they'll just oh give you the gosh. permit? And the thing is, like that—that—that that, that doesn't work because thats, that's wrong. Yeah. Then you had other people who were saying, "Why don't you just sell the building and start all over?" Which uh, it was a possibility, but at the time, like we were in limbo. We, you know, we were—where would we have gone? What would we have done? I mean, we would have—it it, would—it would have been terrible. Uh, but uh, here's the thing that most people don't understand. Uh, and that, that's why it's like, and I'm I'm not defending myself. I don't need to defend myself. God's my vindicator. He's my defender. Um, but the thing is like, you know, people, if they belong to a body, if they belong to a local expression of, of the church of Jesus Christ, and, and they believe that their pastor or their leadership are godly people and that they're not, you know, they're not in things for dishonest gain or they're really people of integrity and stuff like that, line up with them. If you believe them to be people of prayer and stuff, line up with what God has put in their heart. Because the thing is, you see, I had to move forward. We had no choice because I knew what God asked us to do. So the thing is, people don't understand that. People weren't in the room when I would pray with my wife and stuff like that. You just felt a confirmation. or They weren't in the room when we discussed with leadership, you know, uh, weeping about like uh, the, the direction that we needed to go in. And, and you know what? We knew that we had to make tough decisions. You know, my call and the call of the people that are around me that serve with me uh, is not everyone understands that. So, you know, if you're going to be a leader in a situation, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you're going to carry that people won't understand. And so you have to just trust the Lord in it. Now, what happened was, I mean, we, we, we got to work right away. I mean, we, I went to see the city council. I think I met with them about eight or nine times. And it was tough. Like, I, I kind of felt maybe uh, going back to Moses, although I kind of felt what Moses sort of felt like going to Pharaoh because every time we would walk into a, a, a meeting and it wasn't a city council meeting, it was we met behind closed doors with the city council, there'd be myself and, the, and, the, and some of the board members and in some cases, all the board members. And every time we met, they said, there's absolutely no way, no way that you're ever gonna get a permit for that building. And so, you know, like you walk in, and then you, and then you hear that, you walk out, and then, you know, you and the leadership religion, you, 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 you look at each other and say, well, what do we do now? and so we just continued to pray and seek the lord and we just kept moving forward in the direction that we were able to move forward i mean we we always did things transparently we did things legally we never did things you know uh behind the scenes we never did anything like questionable or things like that we always played within the parameters of what we were legally allowed to do and some people from the outside didn't understand that they thought we were just gathering illegally and so then you know one board meeting then another Uh, council meeting, then another council meeting, I was like over my dead body. And then there was finally this one time this guy said, as long as I'm here, uh, you will never have the permit for that building. Now, here's the thing about city council people, like oftentimes they end up sitting on the city council for long periods of time. And uh, the guys, the people that were part of that city council were, you know, they were veterans. They weren't like newbies. Uh, They didn't, you know, these guys were there, they've been established for a long time. And so, and, and you know, uh, so he ended up saying that and Say what uh, he said again. that was tough. he says, as long as I'm here, you will never, ever have the permit for that building. Come to find out. Anyway, I won't go into too many details. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll give you this detail. Come to find out the reason why he was so embittered against the church was because he was involved in a side deal for this property before we ever snatched it up. Because that's even also another testimony, the price that we paid this building and, you know, three acres of land in, in, in the city of Montreal. Uh, you, we paid it under $3 million. I mean, that's not three acres of land. It's not, you know, under $3 million. is like, a, it's a steal. Yeah. And so we we snatched it up. And so we kind of ruined the plans of some of these people that had things going on. Well, anyway, it's too late for me to say, long story short, I feel like I've been talking for 41 minutes. <laughs> go, go ahead. Uh, what ended up happening was, uh, it didn't take too long. I, I can't tell you exactly how much time, I think it was like maybe three or four months later, uh, this person got called up on uh, charges of corruption. Mm-hmm. And so they began to investigate him, at which point he had to resign his position. So he resigned from city council. And so immediately what I did was, and, and I suggest you do this. Anytime you get good news to make this a practice, I took his picture and I laminated it and I stuck it on the wall so that every time I walked into in my office, so that every time I would walk into my office, I would see that there was another step towards victory. Like, you know, this guy stood up and said, as long as I'm here, there will be no church there. And then the next thing you know, he's on my wall of shame. uh, And what I would call my wall of victory, I would see his face then, I would giggle, and I would say, only God can do stuff like that. (laughs) That's right. And so, like, you have to understand, you know, part part of the thing is, it's like, I wanted to, I thought that when I I took over, that we were going to have the permit within six months. I thought, you know what, the favor of God's on me. Uh, he brought me here. He didn't bring me here to fail. Everything is going to resolve itself in six months. It took several years before we finally uh, before we finally got the permit. Uh, but the thing is, in the meantime, we didn't stop building. We didn't stop renovating. We didn't stop raising the funds to do it. We didn't stop ministry. We didn't stop right. feeding people. We, we we were giving out clothes. We were doing the Christmas basket thing. We were preaching the gospel. Uh, you know, like we we just forged ahead, and uh, and we didn't we didn't allow. You know what men were saying appeals to get us down. It's hurtful sometimes when you hear people that you you think are close to you that are obviously not speaking in your favor. But you know what, one of the things I've learned in ministry and in life is you, you got to just drown everyone out. That's right. You got to fill yourself with the voice of God and not the voice of people because you know what, uh, it, you know the Bible says that. I was thinking about it. It says in the in the. Um, in the, the council of many, there's wisdom. But the thing is, it doesn't mean that everyone has wisdom. It means within there, there's going to be some that bring out wisdom. And there were good people that brought out. And then there was a lot of people that just brought out foolishness. And so, um, you know what? We just we just moved ahead and we did what we felt, what we knew that, uh, uh, that God was asking us to do. And here we are. I mean, now we have the full permit. Uh, and is that, we're moving ahead. Is that guy still happening. on city council? No, no, no. no, no, no. He, he had to resign. And then he never got back. He never got reelected because I, I guess it stuck with him too much. At that point, he, he retired from his uh, political career.
0: Yeah. So I remember so, we had done the 21-day fast. A word, a prophetic word yep. came forth not too long after, a couple of days later. And it was what? I think the word was even by Monday, yeah, but, he'll have resigned.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Not I'm not because like the thing is it was a long time ago. But the thing is it wasn't that fast. But the thing is the prophetic word was geared towards that. But it, it happened just a couple of months, a month or two later after that. So you're talking within the span of four or five months, this guy was gone. Yeah. And anyway, the funny part was, uh, the church was holding. Uh, we weren't holding. We were uh, part of the because we wanted to be involved in the community and stuff. So we went to a golf tournament with the chamber of commerce. So like we represent Good News Chapel. We're giving out Bibles. We were giving out like, you know, golf balls with our uh, logo on it. Along comes this guy, this, uh, this uh, city council member. And I remember he took me aside and he said, uh, he apologized. He says, I'm really sorry. And then after that, he whispered to me. He goes, you know, you guys are going to get the permit. It's going to happen. <laughs> go. And that was the killer part. because like when we we're sitting at a city council meeting, he was like, you know, my staunch enemy. And I, and I told them, I said, we pray for you. And we did. We prayed for them. I mean, we prayed for them by name. At our, at our fasting and prayer times, we prayed that the Lord would save them. We prayed that the Lord would, you know, touch their hearts and all, you know, we, you know, we prayed, we earnestly prayed yeah. for them. You know what? People ultimately make their, uh, they make their choices. They make their decisions. And so, listen, I, I still believe that they can get saved. I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. Uh, and I don't hate anybody certainly enough for them to go to hell. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and you know what? So, you know what? Scripture comes to mind is Proverbs sixteen seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies them- to be at peace with him. And I'm telling you, there might yeah. be some people standing in your way today. There might be people that have made your life a living hell. That it seems like, just like someone wrote, an uncircumcised Philistine. You know, like a Goliath standing in your way. Well, let me tell you. There's nothing. Jesus said, I will build my church and even the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. When God's committed right. to building you, nobody, even if they commit, you know, I always say that if the whole world got behind you, but God was against you, you're a dead man. But even if the, right. world, the whole world got, went against you. Even if every army on earth aligned itself against you, just like Elijah Elisha and his servant, the Bible says that they rose up early in the morning, his servant went out, and behold, he saw on the mountains the armies of the of the Assyrians coming against Elisha to wipe him out. And he cried out to Elisha, Alas, my master, we're done. We're done. Look at all these armies that are against us. Look at this opposition. Look at this challenge that's ahead of us. We've been able to bail ourselves out of other things, but this seems to be, you know, this this is really something special. This is an uncommon situation. And Elisha said, Lord... I pray, would you open up my servant's eye to see what I'm seeing? And that's essentially what Pastor Steve said. When you see the hand of God behind you, I'm not saying the visible, there's not a physical hand that's going to come behind you, but when you can see from His promises that God is for you and not against you, that the Bible says that, that those that are with them is the arm of flesh, but with us is the arm of God who helps us to fight our battles. I tell you, every obstacle, every crooked place will be made straight. Every rough path will be made smooth. Every mountain will be leveled because the hand of the Lord is upon those for good to those who seek Him and His kingdom. But His hand is also against those that do wickedly. So I I love how he said that. And you know what? Another thing is, he said, my pastor said that, We could have easily have settled and just said, you know what, we'll sell that building, we'll move somewhere else. But when God says that's the place to build, that's the place to build. Even if it looks unfavorable, even if it looks like, uh, you know, easier to go another way. You know, when you do things your own way, even all the resources of this world will still feel like it's a struggle building that thing. But when you go God's way... Even if you have no resources at the first, God's resources, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory and, and the building will be effortless. And uh, I, I I just, I have a question that I want to ask that I think it's going to benefit a lot of people. Yeah. Um, your answer onto this is, you know, I'm sure that throughout that time, because you said it's, it's, it spanned a couple of years and throughout that time, I'm sure you had racing thoughts. I'm sure you had, you know, oh, yeah. because you're not exempt from thoughts. You know, Kenneth Hagin used to say a thought can come like a bird can come on uh, onto your porch or something, but you don't have to keep it there. You can chase it away. A thought can come, but you don't have to have it nest in your brain. So, you yeah, know, right. I'm sure you had thoughts and, and your flesh just rising up, looking at the impossibility of it, getting discouraged by city council members saying what they said and even people around you and whatnot. So what did you do? You know, I'm sure people, like you said before, people I, I, I'm sure doubted your ability to hear God. You know, he probably missed it. You know, no man's perfect and stuff. What did you do in that time to win the battle in your mind?
1: Uh, uh, first, I, wanna... I got to give credit first. Okay, obviously, all glory goes to God in everything, okay? okay. I want to tell you one of the best things that God gave me, aside from his word, aside from salvation in Jesus, God gave me my wife. Um, Because, like, you know, here's the thing about ministers. uh, uh, No one knows them like their wife knows them or like their husband knows them, depending. You know what I mean? So the thing is, it's like uh, a lot of the battle was fought at home. Uh, There would be times when I, I just didn't have racing thoughts going through my mind. I would verbalize, which was a huge mistake. I would verbalize. Uh, I would verbalize, like, you know, what am I doing here? What did I do wrong? Why, why did I ever, you know, what was I thinking? Did I, did I you know, did I even take leadership? Or should I have, or, you know, all kinds of doubts started to come in. And, uh, you know, my wife helped me. My wife is a woman of faith, man. She, you know, I wish I could say, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the leader of my home. I'm the priest of my home, that's for sure. Um, cause that's how we run things in our home. That's how we've decided to run things according to scripture. But my wife is a faith filled, you know, um, woman. She, she helped me a lot. She prayed with me, prayed for me. <laughs> She'd wipe my tears a lot of nights, uh, which was, uh, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, we, we, uh, we sought the Lord, um, you know, I was thinking about what we were going to say today, like some of the things that I wanted to make sure that people got. Because the thing is, you have those racing thoughts that go through your mind. You, you get like, oh, you're a loser, all that stuff. It happens all the time. You have to understand, first and foremost, that that's the enemy. Yeah. The enemy is not just the accuser of the brother. He is doing everything in his power to make sure that he gets in your ear or he or his minions get in your ear and and, and speak death over you. Speak into reality the things that are in your head if he can trick you into listening to him that's the thing if he can trick you into into following through with the things uh, that he's implanting in your mind or trying to implant in your mind uh you're done so here's the key message that i wanted to give today uh based on this whole story okay uh you you you'd be a fool if you think that it, it lies all on you uh first of all you have to remember that this is god's church Uh, He called you, and like I said at the beginning, he didn't call you to fail. Mm -hmm. So if he called you, it means he called you, and so you need to trust him, okay? A verse that's been like a guiding principle for me, and you know what? I wrote it when I wasn't even serious about the book. I wrote it in my yearbook. It's there. It's enshrined in my yearbook from high school, from 1990-whatever. It says, uh, trust in the Lord, you know, Philippians 3. And, and I wrote it because it sounded good. I had chose that verse because everyone, was, everyone from church was putting verses in. So I said, I'm going to come up with a good one. You know, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes and fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And so the thing is, it's like uh, the key point is you have to trust God. No matter how hard, no matter how hot, no matter how deep it, things get around you. I mean, like, you know, you, we, we talk about the, the, the Hebrew boys in the furnace. It was hot in there. You know, there was no question. It was hot in there. And, you know, they, you know, they said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not bow to you. But they went in there. Uh, they followed through and they trusted the Lord. Uh, the people of Israel, they walked through the waters. You know, I, I the leader. I think in the case Moses was really the the inspiration because he trusted the Lord, and they followed him. But the thing is, like he trusted the Lord even when everything around them said, this doesn't make sense. There's water in front of us. There's an army behind us. There's nowhere for us to go. We're two million people, three million people. What do we do now? We're done. And and they didn't. They trusted in the Lord. That's where the sense of peace comes from. When you just say, okay, God, you brought me here. I rise and fall on you. If you, if you think that everything rises and falls on you, you're in trouble because you know, you're, you're fallible. You, things do fall because of, of you. But the thing is, like, you have to understand, it's God's church. It's God's plan. He's just calling you to be obedient. He's asking you to go toe-to-toe, put your neck out there, put your, and then he's going to prove himself to you over and over again. And so, you know, even when it came to what do I know? It was, it's not like I've been a senior pastor 20 times. It's not like I did 10, you know, church projects. It's not like I purchased property for the church before or, or led a construction uh, project for a church before. I mean, like I was, you want to call a rookie? I was a rookie. I was a rookie. And, uh, you know, people called me wet behind the ears, which back then I took as an insult. In certain cases, I was wet behind the ears. But there's one thing that I did have. It's like I, was a, I trusted in the Lord. I just trusted him. I, I really did. And, and I let his word overrule all the limitations that Satan was trying to whisper in my ear. I let his word be my guiding principle. Uh, I let that be my strength in every situation. And, and, you know, and he proved himself because here we are. I mean, I, you know, th- we're, we're beyond that now. Now we're, we're here. We have the permit. You know, there's other things that are happening. And the lessons from the past have to move us forward. So it's like even now. For instance, like the church is going through, the church in general, like uh, the Church of Jesus in North America, all over the world is going through this whole thing with COVID. What do you do? You trust God. You trust that even if, if things don't make sense to you, you trust God, even though things aren't happening the way you've envisioned them, that they're going to happen, you have to trust God and say, he's the sovereign, almighty, powerful God. What he said in his word is going to happen. He's not lying. You know, I was teaching my class that this morning, and talking about how powerful, how wonderful God is that he's the <clears throat> omnipresent God, the omnipotent God, the, the, the all-knowing God. He's the sovereign God, you know. So the thing is, like, remember, he's the one who's not just behind you. He's the one who's before you. He's on the left and the right of you. He's the one who you just got to trust in him. And so, you know, I know it's, it's hard, but I realize this. And I, I know that I come across sometimes as, like, pointing out, Pointing out the deficiencies within the church. I mean, listen, the reason why I can even point it out is because I'm human, I've erred. Uh, We say we trust with our mouth until things get hard. Then after that, it's like we want to take matters into our own hands. When it came to the permit, I could have bribed someone. I could have done illegal things. I could have, you know, sought other people. You know, people were telling me, you have connections with other people at higher ups and this and that. Why don't you go see that? Because, At the end, if I were to take those matters into my own hands, the glory would have been mine. The glory wouldn't have been God. Uh, Did it happen in the time frame that I wanted it to happen? Did it happen in the six months? No, it didn't. It happened in a five-year period where God, you know, taught me, stripped me of all, like, the junk that that should not have been present in my ministry. Uh, He stripped me of, like, all, like, the, you know, the, 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 the old way of working. He stripped me all of that and he put me in a place where it's like, I got to trust him. I got to trust him. I have to trust him then. And you know what? The things aren't getting less intense today. You know, we're, we're moving forward. We're, there's projects that we have. I don't know how long until Jesus comes back, but when he comes back, boy, he's going to find us. He's going to find, I can only speak for myself. So I'm, I'm not exalting Good News Chapel over other churches or anything like that. I can only speak for where the Lord has led me. He's going to find GNC working. He's going to find us working. I'm working as if like it's, he's never coming back, but I know he's coming back. And so, I mean, in, in all this, I'm trusting him. Like, we've been having services for three months, and we've gotten pushed back. I've been, I've been, we've been, the church has been maligned on the internet. Uh, we, we're irresponsible. We don't care for life. It's actually the opposite. I do care for life tremendously, I care for people's eternity. I care for people's well-being now. I care for their peace now. I care that the, you know marriages don't break now. I care about people that are like wanting to commit suicide, which I'm getting, I'm getting those phone calls. You know. So the thing is, am I being irresponsible in doing this? No, I'm just trusting God. And you know what? It's uncomfortable uh, with the pushback and all that stuff and what people say and, and anything that you do for the Lord. There's always going to be people who are going to say what they're going to say. But you, if you know, that you know that the Lord has told you to do something You just move forward You know, one of the things you know, Talking about prophetic words There was, uh, you know uh, uh, Hugo, Pastor, uh, Prophet Hugo Tilton Which I love the guy I mean, I have a connection with him Because when I was 12 years old He prophesied over me that I was going to be in the ministry And you know what? After 12 years old, it looked nothing like I was going to end up in ministry Okay? <laughs> it actually went the opposite direction that's why I know he's a true man of God. I remember he delivered this prophetic word over myself and my wife. And this is what uh, part of it. This is the part that always sticks with me. He says, you will have victory by installment. Hmm. Wow. And I thought about that. like Victory by installments. What does that mean? You know, it's like you're already victorious in Christ Jesus. But now everything that stands before you, it's the same thing like he said to Joshua. Where your foot treads, wherever you plant your foot, that's what I'm going to give you. It takes one step. Sure. So it's like the Lord has given us victory step by step, day by day. You know, one, you know, you put one foot before the other and that's where God gives you the victory. The moment you start losing is when you stop moving. Mm -hmm. Because you stop moving because then you feel like you're in a place of uncertainty. The thing is, you may not exactly know how things are going to happen, but God knows. You're never in uncertainty when you commit yourself to God. He knows the beginning from the end. He was there before, you know. Before this church ever came into existence, he knew before the foundations of the earth, he knew that this this church, the Italian Pentecostal Christian Church of Montreal, which then became Fob Street Church, which now is Good News Chapel, he knew of our existence way back when. And we're not an afterthought. And uh, we're not, we're actually a forethought. We're not an afterthought. We're not, not going to get forgotten by him so long as we trust in him and seek him. That's why, like, one of the things that uh, we've done is we've never we tried to rely on our own smarts. Mm-hmm. We've never tried to rely on our own schemes or anything like that. We have really, we have, you know, we've made decisions in this church. I mean, you know, I'm going to share it with you. It's public news anyway. I mean, the other day we had an annual update, which I think most churches would call their business meeting. You know, like uh, we're in the middle of a project, a building project. Uh, you know, we, we've done the opposite of what you're supposed to do during a building. Fire. We've given over a million dollars in five years to missions. Uh, when, you know, we could have easily said, listen, we got to get this. We, we, we know, we said, no, this is what God wants and we did it. And you know what? God brought back a return. We're able to build this, uh, this, this, this part of our building right now. And it's like, we're debt-free, we're debt-free. We have a surplus, you know, it's like, that's God's way, that's God's math. That's, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, we have, uh, one of the people on our board is, uh, he's a chartered accountant. And when he looks at the numbers, it's funny Because when he looks at the numbers, he says the same thing. He goes, if this was a business, he goes, "Uh, this does not make sense. You should not be in this position at all. And he's absolutely right. It defies logic. When you trust the Lord, he does things to make the enemy look so stupid. So, like, I'll I'll give you more advice. if You know, unsolicited advice I don't like, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. What you oftentimes, what God will ask of you does not line up with your reasoning. He will often ask you to do things that sound ridiculous, look ridiculous, and in the the eyes of men are ridiculous, but it's his way. It's the only way that he will show, you know, I'm the boss, I get the glory, because you thought it was impossible, but for me, this is the way it works. And so, I mean, that was for us uh, the way we moved forward. Uh, You know, all glory to God. Because, you know, He. and here's the killer part. I wish I could say, well, you know, it was my own charisma. It was our own charisma, our own strength. You know, that's the thing about God. He even gives us the power by His Holy Spirit to trust Him. That's right. He's asking us to trust Him and then gives us the power and the ability to trust Him. He gives us the grace to trust Him. And so, He's never left us. And you know what? I'm going to make a prediction which I often don't make, but I'll make a very, very strong prediction. He's never going to leave us, nor is he going to forsake us. So long as we keep on seeking after him and trusting in him, Uh, you know, every battle that's going to present itself, you know, even COVID, COVID's in God's pocket now. You know, it's it's not, he's going to lead us through it. He's going to give us, he's already giving us victory by installment. And, you know, we're going to get through this and the church is going to come out strong. And the reason why I can lead this way is because of what he did in the past. Don't forget, don't ever, and this is another thing, it's don't good. ever forget what God did for you in the it's past. Good. Don't look at it and say, well, that's one and done. It's, it's past. It's gone. No, do not forget his, his, um, his, uh, his prior responses and how faithful he was in the past because he will remain true to himself and he will be faithful. He is faithful. It's who he is. It's not just a part of him. It's that's who right. he is. You know, the Bible says when when they talk about Jesus in the book of Revelation, to the one who is faithful and true. And God is the faithful and true one. And he is not going to leave us so long as we seek after him, make him the priority. We obey him, trust in him. Uh, You know, like I said, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths. And I want you to notice that the word paths is plural. Because there's a lot of projects that God is calling mm. you to. There's a lot of things God is calling you to. And so you just don't need them for one. You need them for all of them. Mm. So it doesn't matter That's good. if it's a building, a project. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic. It doesn't matter if it's a, a challenge from, from people or whatever you, whatever you can imagine. Uh, he will make your path straight. And so, uh, I mean, I wish I could say like, ah, oh, look, I had it all figured out. You know, I, I had those moments. Uh, doubt filled moments. And, and, and you know what those doubt filled moments didn't make me uh, renounce God they made me go to my knees and really cry out to the Lord and he sustained us he sustained me he sustained us and here we are we're still here yeah, and
0: you know the word says Psalm 138 thirty-eight two says he honors his word above his name meaning he puts his promises above his reputation so when God moved on these authors and penned down this book Called what we call the Bible, which is a compilation of sixty-six other books put in one. God knew the repercussions of that. That He's putting His reputation on the line, and He knew that when He wrote, "I am the Lord your healer," that His He He would tarnish His reputation if He failed to be the Lord His the Lord your healer. That's why He's still faithful to heal to this day. He knew that I am. Uh, I am your vindicator when he said vengeance is mine when he put that he, he knew his reputation would be on the line if he didn't fulfill that but thanks be unto God he's not a man that he should lie you know, he's not the son of man that he should change. God has not changed. And what he's done for others, you know, I don't I didn't have my pastor on today to come and just, you know, let's see how great he is and how great his God's work is in his life. This, I I did this so that it would encourage you and infuse you with fresh strength from heaven to believe God that though your beginnings might look small, your latter end will greatly increase. You don't have to help God. You don't have to help God, and you don't need any man's assistance in what God's trying to get done in your life. You know, that's what Abraham did. I love what Pastor Steve said. He said, you know, we could have easily have bribed—we could have, uh, what did you say, greased the palm of city council members. We could have helped God get to where we need to be. Abraham tried to do that, and it gave birth to what? Ishmael, and still Ishmael's a thorn in the flesh to the Jewish people to this day. So when you, have, when you try to help God, look at Uzzah. When he tried to secure the ark as it was falling, and he put his hand on it, and he got struck dead. Why? Because that was an, an example. God serving him as an example for future generations. I don't need your help to sustain my work. When you try and help God, when you try and put in your own two cents or whatever, uh, by promotion and trying to get your name out, whatever it is, what ends up happening is even if you get to a level, you are now pressured with the task of sustaining that level but when god brings you up he's the one that sustains you that's why isaiah forty-one ten should be ingrained in your heart i am the lord your god therefore do not fear i am with you i will help you and with my own right hand i will sustain you so i i want to ask you one more question and then i would love for you to pray for the people uh, that are tuning, because a lot of people, someone watching from Australia, please, please, please pray for me. There's a bunch yep. of people watching uh, uh, on the broadcast that I know would be greatly touched uh, if you'd pray for them. But my final question is: you know, we had a vision. You had a vision from God to move into this to this building. God put a vision in 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 your heart, in your in your spirit, and it seemed like in the natural, nothing looked right. You know, like Ab- yeah. by faith, Abraham obeyed. He went out to a land not knowing where he was going. He had this great vision, according to what was written, "I'll make you the fathers of many, the father of many nations." But he had no, he had no nothing in the natural to secure that for himself. You know, his wife pushing ninety, he's pushing a hundred, right. so. With a great prophecy, you know, I know there's people watching here today that have received a prophetic word. They have a vision from God. God told them something for 2020, and then, you know, 20, uh, COVID hit, and now they think, you know, maybe God's taken another way. Maybe what I heard was wrong or whatever. But at the time, you know, the Bible says in the book of Peter... That we are to take heed unto the prophetic word as a light that shines in darkness, lest we give up Amen. until the day dawns. So you don't, when God speaks to you in the light, you don't doubt in the darkness. So there's a lot, I know there's people watching right now that have received a prophetic word. They they, they feel a call to the ministry. They feel a call to open up a business, whatever it might be. What do you tell them? Uh... Because I know that a lot of times, you know, it's it's preached that, you know, just wait on God's timing, just wait, keep, you know, uh, this there's a season of waiting and there's a season of fulfillment and all that stuff. But is it a season of waiting or are there steps we can take, practical steps we can take towards the fulfillment of prophecy?
1: Well, I think I think that there's a preparation time, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, like when I, when I, obviously I had vision. The beautiful part about vision is that God allows you to see like, obviously outside of what is present presently there, right? It's like, you have a picture in your mind and stuff of what things are going to be like, but you know, one of the things that I, I've always known, okay, this is not, uh, one of the things that I've always known is that things have to start somewhere. Okay, I think, I think that's the number one problem with like a lot of people, it's like, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll use money, for example, someone says, well, I, I gotta be a millionaire people don't understand that in order to become a millionaire, you got to start putting things into practice. Like you, you have to work, you know, it's not just going to fall in your lap. You got to work. And, and, and then you got to save. You can't just like be spending like crazy and so like that you got to be wise. You just don't blow your money on things that like, you know, any, any frivolous thing that comes along. I mean, uh, like for instance, for me, the guiding principle for every ministry, and I, I, I've spoken this to the staff here at the church and, you know, because everyone has that problem. It's like everyone, like, they, they just see the end. They, they see the end. They see the end result. And, and I want to tell you something about that. The end result that you envision is probably the furthest thing from God's end result. Because I was explaining that this morning. You know, we often say, you know, God can do exceedingly abundantly uh, all that you can uh, hope or imagine, right? Well, the thing is, like, well, you pretty much cap things when you, when you go to the edge of your imagination, whereas God's going to take it, like, 10 steps further. But the, the thing is, it's like people have to get in their hearts. Uh, Zechariah 4, 410, it says, you know, despise not the day of small beginnings because God delights in seeing the, the beginning of something. He likes to see that. Okay? So, uh, waiting. If you're sitting there just twiddling your thumbs, it's the wrong thing to do. If you know the direction that God's leading you in, like for instance, the Bible college, right? I'll use that as an example. Uh, if it, for us, uh, the Bible college, I, I know what I hope it's going to be. I, I know what my imagination like, envisions and stuff like that. I wanted an accredited Bible school. And, it's not, and you know what I did? I sought every Bible college that could make that dream like a reality overnight. But the problem was, every school I approached to, to accredit us, there was some form of negative compromise that had to be made, which was going to make us abandon our core values. OK, like, for instance, and we're, we're at the Pentecostal Bible school that we want to start. So now if I if I would have partnered with University of Laval, for instance, which was one of them, which was one of the accrediting universities. Well, then there were certain things that I would have to give up, like I would have to allow the students to go study there and their theology is not Pentecostal. Their theology is actually liberal, a liberal theology. So the thing is, it's like, what are we doing here? Are we building up ministers and the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are we building up a bunch of academics that like, are going to end up walking away from the Bible because they're being taught from a liberal perspective? So then, you know what? Like, my big picture was an accredited college, hundred of students, all that stuff. We started. What we did was we started. We, 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 we asked the Lord. We said, Lord, you know, give us, you know give, us, give us five people. Even if we have five people, we'll start. Well, you know what? Eight people ended up signing up. We're not accredited, but the thing is, like, I remember the Bible College that I came from. It was started by a woman, you know, in 1927, which a woman in ministry in 1927 wasn't exactly like, you know, yeah, Christine Gibson, and she wasn't exactly like you know, received well by everyone because she was a woman. And so what she did was she she started to teach students, she started to teach kids that wanted to learn the Bible at her dinner table, you know, and and even her husband wasn't 100% with it, and he was a minister. And she sat there around the table and she taught kids in her kitchen about the Bible. And then from there, it became this Bible college that exists now, you know, with the ivy, you know, the ivy and the the columns and the buildings and all that stuff, which isn't the end goal, by the way, but it's there. So just to show you the, so the the thing is like, you know, despise not the day of small beginnings, you got to start somewhere. And so in the meantime, what you do is you start to equip yourself. It's like, for instance, for me, I'm just using, I'll make it up. I mean, uh. You know, we have a Bible. I want to start a Bible school. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to like, you know, start learning how to be a teacher. Uh, if the Lord's called me to teach, well, then I'm going to hone my skills as a teacher. I'm going to t- take a course and prepare myself. If God is calling me into a specific field, well, you know, He calls you to be a missionary. You don't say, well, one day God's going to call me to the mission field. Well. Start to learn about what it is to be a missionary. Start to ask, pray, and say, Lord, if, if I become this missionary, when I become this missionary, what do you want me to do? Have him download his plans into your heart. You know, if, if that I have to go to another country and I have to raise funds or I have to have certain resources, well, you know what? Don't, sit on, don't quit your job and then sit on your couch and say, well, one day God's going to give the finances to move over to whatever. Or, or, and he's going to, no, use your time in the meantime. Go to work. Do whatever. Start to master. So that you're prepared for what's to come. It's like I look at at, at TJ. I mean, he, salvation now. You know, we talked about it when he was starting off. What did he do? He, like he went to school to learn uh, the Bible, which I believe is a very important thing. And then he followed great men of God, and he learned from them. He he received impartation from them. He asked them how they got started. He asked them, you know, their counsel, their wisdom on things, and like everything that he did from that point on, uh, even like his work and everything ended up being aimed at this one thing to fulfill what God called him to do. See, there's so many people that are saying, well, God called me, so he's going to do it. God's going to do it. If you're obedient, God's going to say, like, right, what, just sitting on your rump now and doing nothing. It, it doesn't work that way. Waiting, just waiting, just waiting. I mean, like, who just sits and waits? Life is happening, people. Like TJ said before, you don't try to help God. You don't try to direct God's path. You try to fall into God's path. You try to follow His 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 His, uh, his directives. I mean, do something. You it can't it can't be of loss. Don't interfere with what God's trying to do. Work with God. That's one of the greatest lessons I learned in my life. You know, I read this book and, and I finally understood that my life is in cooperation with God's plan. You know, there's people that think that God is just doing everything, and then there's people that say it's all up to me. No then you, you've kind of missed out on what relationship is. Relationship is two people working together. And in this particular case, when it comes to ministry, it's me working along with God's plan. So for, for me, the guiding principle is despise not the day of small beginnings. So, uh, you know, God's called you to minister. God's called you to be an evangelist. Uh, you know, go talk to someone. You know, say, you know what? Today, when I go to work, I go to the bus stop. I see someone, I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, point someone out to me that needs to hear your voice today. Fill me with the word. Start. How can you speak to crowds when you can't even speak to one? You know, if God has called you into like business, the business world, because he wants you to be like someone to, to fund. By the way, I have a problem with people that go into the business world to fund things, but then don't work on their own personal spirituality, don't work on their relationship with God. They say, well, I'm just a philanthropist for the kingdom. No, no, no. You know, you work and and you ask the Lord to to use you even in the secular world, in the secular place, so that he can use you to do the work of an evangelist, which is a universal call, by the way. Maybe you're not a full-time evangelist, but we're all full-time evangelists in the sense that we're supposed to be uh, propagators of the the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know what? Uh, You work along with God. The preparation begins with prayer. The preparation begins with asking him. The preparation begins with like saying, okay, I'm going to get directives and then moving according to what he's asking you to do. Everyone's just waiting for like, you know, uh, Jonathan, you know, he says the story about Colonel Sanders when Colonel Sanders, uh, you know, walked into a church and he paid the bill and all that stuff. Everyone's waiting for Colonel Sanders. Don't wait for Colonel Sanders, if he comes great. But in the meantime, you know, now, the Bible says, be diligent to show yourself approved. You know, some translations, says study to show yourself approved. And people make it very myopic. They say, okay, well, you got to go to Bible school to show yourself. No, be diligent in everything you do. Make sure that it, it, you do what you do with a purpose. And that purpose is to fulfill the goal that God has asked you to, fulfill, uh, to, to, to complete. So that's, that's, um, that's how I look at it. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Don't, don't, don't shun like an, a, a, an opportunity. It may be beneath you. If that small opportunity is beneath you, everything else is too. Everything else doesn't matter. Uh, so the thing is, like, start there. Start where you're at. And then God, you'll see. When you're faithful with the little things, what the Bible says, we quote scripture here, uh, you know, when you're faithful with the little things, then God entrusts you with the bigger things. He entrusts you with much. So start somewhere. A lot of people are just wasting their lives. They're waiting. They think waiting on him means like stop everything and to have like this ethereal experience where God's going to transport you into some zone fully equipped with everything that you need for the job. No, I mean, if you really love the Lord, you want to be excellent at everything he calls you to do. Study, prepare yourself, pray. If you're not praying before you get on the field, you're not going to pray on the field if you're not reading the word uh, before you get on the field you're not going to read the word on the field and and if you start doing it on the field it's too late you 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 become reactive rather than than uh, proactive so, you know these are things that we have to uh, cultivate in our lives on a daily basis i mean and and it and, and don't think that like you'll reach a a, pl- a level and it's over um, this is a glory to glory a day to day every day you grow with, with god and, uh, and you know what? And every day, as you immerse yourself in the word, as you immerse yourself in relationship with him, he has every desire to reveal himself to you. Every single desire to reveal himself to you. I mean, it's, it's what he's been doing since the beginning when he said, let there be light. God's been wanting to reveal himself to humanity. And so in Jesus, he wants to reveal himself to you in a greater way today.
0: Uh, what comes to mind is Bishop David Oedepo, uh always says, any faith that seeks to make God totally responsible for the outcome of your life is an irresponsible faith. And I think there's a lot really? of irresponsible Christians because really you're either going to be a liability or an asset, an asset in life. And that's totally dependent on you. On you. You know, the Bible says faith without accompanying action is dead. It says just like the body without the heart functioning is dead, so faith without works is dead. Works is the spirit of faith at work. Works is uh, is um, one of the, the uh, corresponding expressions of faith. Without you taking a step, God's not going to take, God will take like 99 steps, but you have to take one step to meet him there. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 22 you said, be, you know, study to show thyself or be diligent to show thyself approved. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs, it says, Seest thou man diligent in his work? Do you see a man diligent in his work, proactive in his work, taking the first step, taking every actionable step towards the fulfillment of his destiny? Do you see that, man? And the Bible doesn't say that, man. You know, how many of you know we're not called to be fruitful, we're called to be faithful? That's rubbish. You can't be diligent and faithful and not be <laughs> fruitful in God's kingdom. My pastor quoted it. He hey, said, exactly. do you see a, um, a, a man who is faithful in the little that man will be entrusted with much, and that goes back to the parable of the the five talents, the two talents and the one talent and One of them said, "You know what my master he's an unreasonable person; he gathers where nobody sows, he's a hard taskmaster. You know what that is? It's Christians saying it's hard to serve God, not even worth doing anything. I'll just sit back, warm my pew up, do whatever I have to do, and you know chill out and hope." Hope, hope, hope uh, at the end of it, I, I make it through. You know that because you have a perce- perspective of God that He's some hard task. It's hard to serve God. It's burdensome. No, the Bible says the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. And then it goes on to say that that man, when the master returned, he he had his body cut into and apport- apportioned with the unbelievers. But the five, the man who had five talents and produced five more, that man received commendation from heaven. And I'm believing God that at the end of time when we stand the bible says we will all stand before god and give an account. If people I mean we're going through the book of revelations in in our church a seven step series on the different churches and stuff and every single church starts with i know your works. I know your works. I know your works. God pays attention to how you're working. And the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait is not sitting back, relaxing with your arms folded, hoping things turn around. That word wait is like waiting in a restaurant where you're waiting on God. You're a a desperate waiter. You're a waitress. You're serving God in the interests of His kingdom. And when you do that, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else that you're working hard. Other people are sweating 9 to 5, working two jobs on the weekend to obtain the I mean, even at that, money can't buy you peace in your home, money can't buy you a better marriage, money can't buy you health in your body, but all those things God said, if you'll seek me first, everything else people are stressing to obtain i'll I'll deposit it into your life,
1: pastor, if you, you know you go ahead, yeah go ahead yeah go ahead, no, just one thing because you' have mentioned the the thing about the talents, you know that servant who uh, who buried the talent. Yeah. He actually lied about his master. He says, I know you're a hard man. Yeah. Remember, that parable is supposed to be a comparison to God. Yeah. Okay? That master is a comparison to God. Is God a hard taskmaster? Is he a hard? No. So that's like what a lot of people think. That's why I started off this thing by saying, with, you know, it ties in with what I said at the beginning God didn't call you to fail. That master who gave that talent to that guy knew that that guy had the potential to double that. That's right. Instead, the guy right. decided that he wasn't going to do anything. He was saying, oh, you know what? Because uh, he, he didn't know his master. That, that's why there's a lot of people that fail. Because they don't know the master. They don't know God. So true. God loves you. God loves me. As hard as it is for me to believe that sometimes, you know? Because there's not a lot that's like. He loves me. He loves you. He called me. He called you. Every single one, I believe that. I believe that every single person has a call and a purpose and something to fulfill. And so the thing is, like, he didn't call you thinking, you know what? I don't know if he's going to make it or not. Remember, we're talking about the one who knows it all. Mm -hmm. He knows you can make it. He knows you have the potential, the power to do it. If he didn't, he wouldn't give you anything. So just do it. Trust him. He's a good God. He's a loving father. He delights in seeing you do well. Because when you do well, it brings him glory. When you don't do well, I mean, it, people like you know you've seen it in the past. You you've messed up somewhere. People say ah, you and you call yourself a Christian. It doesn't bode well. People don't have a good uh, a good uh, opinion about God because they see the failure. Yeah, but God knows you can do it. Yeah, even God knows you. Can do it. Even
0: Jesus, when he was telling the people in in the Mount of Beatitudes, uh, the Mount of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and he goes on and gives a discourse on the Mount. And he says, even dealing with sin, he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, you know, we're talking about how to prevail in every battle of life. You know, you won't prevail unless you deal with the sin issue first. And the Bible says he didn't tell them, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it far from you, unworthy servants, you, you devil worshipers, because ultimately you won't even make it to heaven without... No, he said it's actually more profitable for you. He says it's more profitable for you getting rid of sin is what's going to hinder you in life. Jesus said, "If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it far from you, for it's more profitable for you to enter into life maimed than for you to f- go to hell where the worm does not die and the-, and the the fire is never quenched and there's a darkness that could even be felt." So, I feel before we we pray for everyone, if you're watching today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never made a a, a decision. Where, Lord, I've done it my own way. I've, I've, I've been against the headstrong winds. Like Jonah. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and he went the total. Nineveh was northeast of where Jonah was located when he received the call. He went all the way west. That's like the total opposite of where Nineveh was. And some of you have been living a life total opposite as to where God has desired to bring you. And as such, you've encountered turbulent waters. You've encountered a turbulent storm. You've encountered uh, testy waters. Just, you know, the Bible says it was a storm that the people were crying out to their gods. Nothing was happening. And then finally they saw Jonah sleeping in the stern. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying trying to sleep the storm away. You can't sleep the storm away. You can't wish it away. Finally, they said, what are you doing sleeping? Cry out to your God. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the Lord God and I know I've been in opposition to his will. And so they they threw him overboard and that represents sin in your life. You got to throw sin overboard if the the boat of your life is going to live on calm, peaceful waters. So I'm here to tell, if you're watching right now, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never... uh, You've never thrown Jonah overboard. You're still living with, with sin in your life, and it's caused turbulent waters. Let me tell you, you'll never prevail in any battle of life as long as Jonah's in your boat. you got to throw the Jonah over, and you'll see how things will turn because the moment he they threw him over, the Bible says the waters were made perfectly calm at that moment, at that instant. Life is spiritual, And there's a devil that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus' will to this day in 2020 has not changed for you. And that's to give you life and life more abundantly. So if you're watching, I'd love to lead you in a prayer today. Uh, Actually, Pastor Steve, why don't you do it? He's going to lead you in a prayer uh, of repentance. And then afterwards, he's going to pray for everyone watching uh, that that wants, you know, that's still watching and and has persevered to this point. (laughs)
1: Persevered. (laughs) <laughs> listen if you're like like TJ just said if you're here and like you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior it's very simple it's a, we're going to pray together and it's going to seem quick and it's going to sound like you know that's it yeah God doesn't overcomplicate things we do that's right. and so the thing is it's as easy as admitting that you're a sinner believing that he's the son of God and that he's the Savior of the world and, uh, and that he's coming back for you and that he died for you and that he's coming back for you and then finally that confession as Lord and Savior of your life and then you live for him all the days of your life that's it that's, right. that's heaven that's what leads us that's what allows us to be in the presence of God for all eternity so if you're with me i'm just going to pray with you you repeat these words with me and then i'll pray for everybody father i thank you for jesus i thank you for this opportunity i need salvation today i admit that i'm a sinner and i've sinned but i thank you that your grace is is great and I, Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he came and he died for me and that after three days he rose again and that he's coming back for me. I, I accept him. I receive him into my heart. I take him for all that he is. And I confess him to be my Lord and my Savior. And I will live from all the days of my life. I thank you for your spirit that lives inside me, that's going to help me. He's going he's to teach me all things. He's going to empower me. I thank you for trusting me and loving me. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. But you prayed that. You're saved today. Yeah. you can write TJ? You, you, yeah, you tell can me. go
0: on uh, www. www.salvationel.ca. And the first link that pops up is, I just got saved. If you can fill that out, get that information to me. I want to get you a package free of charge. We pay shipping, handling. I just want to help you out. It has a Bible and a few other material that's going to greatly assist you in this new walk Uh, this new walk and adventure with Christ. So without further ado, go ahead, take it away and pray for the people watching.
1: Father, for all those that are watching today, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your hand would be upon each and every one. Father, before I forget, that one that kept saying, pray for me, I'm in Australia. Lord, we know that the world right now is in a lot of trouble. Uh, Father, we lift that individual up. And, Father, I pray that whatever she's crying out, your word says that we cried out to the Lord and he rescued us from all our troubles. And, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would be her uh, her deliverer right now. Father, I pray for the continent of Australia, the country of Australia. Uh, Father, I pray for this world in general. Lord, help us to be strong in the days of trial and testing. Father, I pray for everyone who's watching and listening today. Lord, that whatever it is that you've called them to do, Lord, that they would no longer... Delay and stand by, but Lord, that today, after hearing uh, the things that they've heard, Father, I pray that it would take root in their heart, Lord, that they would uh, despise not the day of small beginnings, that they would use the time, Father, uh, to be prepared, but most of all, Lord, that they would trust you. When things don't seem to be going the way they ought to be going, or the way we think or perceive that they ought to be going, Father, we know that you're at work and that you're doing great things. Father, we don't rely on our own understanding, we don't rely on our own wisdom, but we trust in you in all things and lord you make our paths straight father i pray that through this that people who have been sitting on their hands saying when and how and whatever father the the questions would be answered father that as they sleep tonight father that you would have 100 percent of their attention that you would reveal yourself to them in a mighty way father that they would rise up with with uh with a joy and with uh with a motivation like never before to accomplish the task that you've Uh, that you've asked them to do before it's eternally too late. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name for great fruit uh, to come from their lives, Father, because these are things that please you. These are things that honor you. Father, we exist to glorify your name and everything. I thank you, Father, that you don't love us differently, but that you love us completely and unconditionally, and that, Father, you have a plan and purpose for our lives. And, Father, our desire is to walk in your plan and purpose and to lift up your name in all situations. Lord, we love you. And we trust you. You gave us life. You know what best to do with it. And so, Father, we place our lives in your hands today. There's no better place. Uh, bless T.J. Bless salvation now and uh, everything that he's doing. Father, let there be multitudes of people come to Christ, even though we've been limited. Father, nothing is impossible for you. Sure. We love you today. Again, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And together we say, Amen. 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 Thank you so
0: much for coming on today. Could you just tell the people how they can, like, follow you on Instagram and stuff, just uh, the church's website, whatever it is, if they...
1: That's a good question. Huh? <laughs> the church's website is... Uh, I never tell people to follow me, but anyway, the church's website is goodnewschapel.org uh, and you'll pretty much find all the information you're needing. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand out... I'm going to give out a personal invitation. If you're looking for a place of worship, you live in the greater Montreal area. Uh, listen, we live in the age of cars. Nothing's too far. Uh, you're welcome to come worship with us. The only thing is, at the moment, you would need to register because of all these uh, limitations that the government's put on. You can register on our website, and you can be part of our worship services at 9:30 and 9:30 uh, and 11:30 on Sunday morning. We'd be happy to have you. I'd be happy to have you and get to know you. Uh, also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I don't I don't do much on Instagram. Stefano Gisualdi, uh is my handle on there. You'll find it. You'll see cute pictures of my kids. That's about it. But every once in a while, I post things that uh, that are important, so you may want to be yeah, there. And you, like, but, uh, I and you like like the f- go Good News
0: Chapel page for the broadcast and stuff. Yeah. The Facebook page. Good News
1: Chapel Montreal, the Facebook page, Good News Chapel. It's all Good News Chapel. You can follow us on Facebook, like, share. Uh, our sermons are on there every week. We have podcasts on the Apple Store and also the Android Store. Uh, the Android podcast whatever the equivalent is uh, so we have resources if you need help if there's anything that we can help you with you can contact us even at the office 514-593-1944 we're ready to help TJ I just want to say thanks for uh, for having me on your program today it's an honor thank you so much no, it's, it's I love you it's my honor my pleasure
0: and uh, thanks for doing it I love you love you too alright everybody See say ya. goodbye God bless. God bless you okay bye Well, that was awesome. What a powerful testimony of God's faithfulness and what He can do through somebody that's yielded to His plan, submitted to His plan. And uh, I know it was a blessing to you. It was a, definitely a great blessing to me. I love hearing that story. I can hear it time and time again because it, it really does bless me. So if you're watching tonight, uh, today and you would like to partner with our ministry and give towards this ministry, you can do so by going to Salvation Now. Let me just put up the link salvation slash give, and you can give, uh, you can come on board as a monthly partner. We've had many people do that in the last month, two months, and uh, you can do monthly, you can do bi yearly, whatever it is you want to give a one time gift. I want to encourage you to do so, and I want to thank you in advance for standing with us. Remember, you can never outgive God. The Bible says that when you bring to the Lord your tithes and offerings, He said, I will open up to you the windows of heaven, and I'll I'll bore you out a blessing so much so you won't have enough room to hold it all in. And the way you get into that is through your giving. So as you give, give an expectation that he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, but those who sow bountifully, the Bible says, shall reap a bountiful harvest connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you. And until next time.